Hello and welcome to episode two of German Street Theatre's Prompt Corner. I'm Kieran Walsh and I'll be hosting the episode today. Uh, we're talking all about stage management and we've got three lovely guests for you. Rachel Barber, Aoife Kennan and Emily Laws. So enjoy. Okay, welcome everybody. Thank you so much for agreeing to do Prompt Corner. I'm sure it's a very scary prospect. <laughs> Here we are now and we're locked in. Um, so you can't escape. I thought we'd go around and just introduce everyone to, to, to each other. Should we start with you, Rachel? Um, introduce yourselves to everybody. Okay, uh, my name's Rachel Barber. I've been a stage manager for more years than most of you have been alive. Um, <laughs> I've done lots of other things as well as stage management, but I've recently come back to the job of stage management and therefore worked at German Street Theatre on the Beckett uh, triple bill that they did recently. Brilliant. And how about you, Aoife? Um, so I'm uh, normally an actor, so I graduated from Lambda two years ago and then last summer I was an actor slash ASM on For Services Rendered, so that's my stage management experience. Brilliant. And how about you, Emily? Um, I've been a stage manager for about four years now and I've done bits and bobs all over, but most recently Tom's last three productions at German Street. Mm. Mm. And so our podcast is called uh, Prompt Corner. Um, so I thought, you know, I did a bit of a botched explanation of what Prompt Corner is last time, but maybe you guys can give me a bit of a, from that stage management background, a bit of a better explanation of what Prompt Corner actually is, because it's sort of different in German Street to other theatres. Yeah, very much so. Um, Prompt Corner, if you're looking at your slightly bigger venues, is actually in the wings of the theatre and your operating the show from the side of the stage obviously hidden but that's your kind of larger venue version of prompt corner but in german street you're actually set back in the audience in your little black tech box as we mm -hmm. call it so you're nowhere near the stage you're nowhere near the actors <laughs> so it's very much they deal with with their problems and you deal with your problems <laughs> Does so also, if you're in really big theatres like the RSC or the National, you're probably at the back of the auditorium and not in the side of the stage at all. Mm. So does that really change how the relationship with like the, the actors is? Is it like a really huge thing not having that sort of being? It, it's horrible. I, I hate DSMing from the, the back of all the you know, mm. out front because you just don't get a real feel of what's happening. Mm. You can see better in order to cue it, but actually you don't get that that same relationship with the actors and with the rest of the stage management team yeah. when your only relationship is watching them either through a screen or on your headsets for sure so there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of like tech and a lot of terminology involved with with stage managing i feel like we're like what one minute in and people have said asm dsm q headset, <laughs> all of these different things can we go around and Aoife, what so you mentioned that you were an asm um, on a german street theater production can you explain what asm means because i'm I haven't been in case that long, but I'm still so confused by all the company SM, <laughs> production SM, all of these different different words. Yeah, so I was ASM and um, I didn't really know what that would entail. I think it's what, so you're assistant to the stage manager, so it's kind of whatever they need you to do. Um, but I was playing a maid in the play, so the way that I thought of it was that I was a maid on stage and off. Um, <laughs> so I kind of did whatever was needed. And then now and again went on with a, like a tea tray and said, yes, mom. Um, yeah, so ASM is kind of um, just the assistant. So my job kind of changed whatever I needed doing. And then when we got settled into the actual run after rehearsals, you kind of set up a routine with your stage manager, I guess, as to what you need to do and what your role is. 
Right. Uh, yeah. So does that mean that it's a different thing then in terms of in the rehearsal process to the actual production? You mentioned kind of when you settle into the run that it's a little bit different. Yeah, well, just for this particular play, um, Tom, the director, wanted the stage to be covered with origami roses. So I became an expert at making <laughs> origami roses. So that was like me in rehearsals, just in my little paper corner, becoming like covered. Um, and then I don't know, it's like it's sort of and the Louis who designed the set was one day like, do you know how to use an electric sander? So I just went outside the Jerwood space and sanded loads of wooden boards and felt very self-important. Um, nice. I've never used one before, so it's actually a very empowering experience to sand wood. <laughs> <laughs> and then when we got into the run, it was setting up the stage, setting up all the props and the edibles, and then um, calling the cast when they were needed, bullying the cast when they wouldn't come when they were needed, um, <laughs> gently. Um, <laughs> um, and also because we had this thing where, because um, obviously the toilets in German Street um, there's no divide between actor toilets and public toilets so it was kind of making sure the actors had done what they needed to do before the audience could come in and vice versa mm. um, yeah so it was it's kind of mad it's a mm. mad space for stage management because it's so small that like you're constantly inventing new things to get around that but so mm. that's a lot that was my job no and so Rachel you said the DSM then sits in that in that front corner box at German Street what, what's the role of the DSM well, at Germ Street, they sort of don't differentiate the roles in the same way as you would in other theatres. So the stage manager slash DSM is the same job. But basically, you're the person who's in rehearsal um, with the director and the actors, blocking it out so that you know where they're moving to and what they're doing. So you can send those notes off to the lighting designer and any props that come out so that you can talk to your props buyer or to your designer, whoever you are, you know, or your ASM. To go and get the props and then once you're actually in the theater itself then at german street the dsm slash stage manager is the person who's operating the shows so right. operating lighting and sound mm. i mean obviously in a, a bigger theater then there will be lighting and sound operators and you're the person who's just telling them when to do the cues mm. and there is this thing which I, I i seems quite mysterious to me but i only see it in inverted commas as the book uh, what is what is the book what does this mean what does it mean to be on book what does it mean to be off book? It's the Bible of the show. So anything that happens within the show should be written in the book. Everybody sets theirs up differently. I have my script on the uh, left-hand page and a blank page on the right. And then on the right-hand side, I've got a line down the middle. And on the left-hand side of that, I will write down any cues that happen on the right-hand side is the blocking. So that I know on a certain word, that's when an actor gets up and moves to stage right. To, the, that side of the stage or picks up a cup or whatever he does so that all of that's written down so should you want to put the show back on again you've got an exact bible of what happens within the show and all the cues are also written down so that anybody should be able to pick up that book and reproduce the show mm. and Emily for example if you, if you have your, your book like this does that change at all throughout the production does that change or do you get to a certain point where that's like set in stone that's that's the one thing you is it biblical at it some point? It depends, <laughs> depends if um, you're touring the show. Uh, if you're staying in one theatre, uh, after press night, everything is, you, you freeze the show essentially, the show is frozen. So from press night onwards, minor changes can be made, but anything technical, lighting, sound, anything like that is as is. Obviously because your technical team from that point are then not at the theatre. Um, they go off and, and do the hundreds of other shows that they're always on. So in a sense, you you know, 
if an actor says that, you know, they'd like to maybe try and pick up the teacup on this line rather than this line, you know, of course, we're going to let some play happen. But in terms of tech, the book very much freezes once press night happens. But if you are touring a show and you retech the show and you find out that actually in the venue you're now in, that it's impossible to light someone that far stage left and you have to kind of shift some things around and they're actually now entering from that exit because that entrance doesn't exist anymore. So <laughs> you do a bit of reteching, you're frantically rubbing out your cues and putting arrows to go to a different line and actually that's deleted now. So it, it can change a lot, mm. but in the same breath, it can be absolute, like you said, biblical. Yeah. It is. And how does that, I'm so interested in that relationship to the theatre space, especially when something like touring happens, like it, it sounds like to be a stage manager is to be really intimate with the space that you're working in. And so how does that, when you're touring somewhere where you're kind of moving constantly, how does that like work as a stage manager? Is that like quite a difficult thing? Is that enjoyable? Is that? Can be very difficult if you're touring to spaces that aren't technically, uh, traditional theatre spaces so if you're lucky you'll get a theatre that's the same layout and you've got the same number of entrances you've got some lovely wing space and it's all very wonderful but if you're doing a show uh for example I did Pictures of Dorian Gray which toured to um a bookshop in Oxford and that's not a theatre so <laughs> So then you've got some new challenges. Um, you don't have doors, you don't have entrances, you've got, you know, no dressing rooms, you've got, you know, nothing like that. So it is all about being very, very flexible. Never assume that the one you've started with is the show that it'll be in the next space. Cause mm. we did the show also in Scarborough and found out that the two entrances were actually right miles away to where we thought they were so it all it all chops and changes ups and downs got to be very very flexible yeah yeah also if you're touring abroad things could be really different again because you have to speak the language of, of somewhere else I've, I've toured to america a few times i remember on the very first occasion we were doing the first scene change and i turned to our crew there and i said uh, can you strike the truck and they all just looked at me like i was mad and they were going <laughs> What, what do you mean? I went, well, can we strike the truck? And they went, uh, uh, you mean nuke the wagon? I went, oh, yeah, okay, nuke the wagon. <laughs> so you're constantly having to sort of fight this. Or you could play Newcastle when you just don't understand what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> what does strike the truck mean? What, what on earth is that? Uh, it, it's a piece of scenery that's on wheels that you move off into the wings. You, di you did some touring. That was when you were at the RSC, wasn't it? Yeah, I, yeah, I did quite a lot with the RSC. I was lucky enough to play LA and Broadway with a show called Nichols Nickleby that they did many moons ago. But that was a really big show and it was wow. great fun. It was another Trevor Nunn show. I worked with Trevor quite a few times, which mm. is why it was great to work with him at German Street. Yeah. And, and what's it like being in those Broadway theatres? Is it just like a completely different world to anything you've experienced before? Yeah, but we're all doing the same job, putting on the same shows. So, yeah, it, it's different because it's so big, but actually, essentially, you're all working to the same pattern. Yeah. And Aoife, you've had like that, that experience that you had at, at For Services Rendered at German Street. It seems like quite a unique one to have that sort of 
both actor and stage manager role going on. Would you do it again, basically, is my main question. <laughs> Depends how much money they offered me. Um, <laughs> if anyone was listening. The, it was, I think, I'd, um, well, because as an actor, I think I was watching the other actors and being a little bit envious, but also it was really useful to just like appreciate the wider team because you, I was involved in all the tech talks and stuff. And actually that's really useful because you realise kind of watching the actors you realize which ones are helpful to the rest of the team and which ones are slightly harder to manage um maybe that's a nice way of putting it um uh, so yeah um and I definitely think there was a correlation between the actors that I thought were the best at acting and the actors who could look after themselves I don't know if that's worth saying but that's just yeah. me um, I don't know. Maybe that's a bit too. No, much. that isn't just you. Pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty accurate. But it was weird because I remember coming home and my my housemate is a director and she's um, assisted Tom quite a lot at German Street and I was like, it's ridiculous. Like some of them can't do their own Velcro. Um, what's happening? And she was saying there was a scientific study or something done which showed that um, the blood in the actor's brain apparently redirects to the the part of the brain that deals with literary functions when you're going on stage so that might explain why like common sense goes out the window but I didn't <laughs> want to tell the actors that because I was like I'm not going to encourage this type of behavior it was really weird I was the youngest in the cast but I think I this sort of like Geordie mother persona came out when I was dealing with uh different situations mm. um, a lot of pastoral care oh yeah god they're so needy <laughs> so <laughs> underrated the the um pastoral work that stage management do especially um like saying if you're in a team where you don't have four or five stage managers and you're two or even one suddenly and if you're touring especially suddenly they get thrown into another city and you know tech team have gone director's gone producer's gone and it's just you yeah. and suddenly um you're you're there everything yeah and you're the one who's supposed to know the whole bus route and where the chip shop is um, yeah. you've actually been in the theatre all day and they've been wandering around doing nothing <laughs> yeah. yeah it made me like when actors were like god i'm so tired i was like you don't know what tired is <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah i think it was uh it's, it's, it, i think it's definitely good to watch from the other side and actually one of the actors um uh jim who was in for services rendered um was really lovely because he had actually come up as actor ASM that he hadn't trained formally formally so that's how he'd like come up in the industry so he was really understanding and it was really nice to chat to him actually um mm -hmm. and also everyone was incredibly like the actors were silly sometimes but like incredibly generous with all their experience and chatting to me and so I did feel like a bit of an intern but in a great way um mm -hmm. and that's interesting you bring up the whole like getting into the industry getting into stage managing like what was the route into stage managing and why did you think of doing that to start with because Emily did you start doing a little bit of marketing was that where you yeah I, I didn't train as a stage manager I did a theatre degree at Exeter University and I went into uh marketing for the West End so I was on the complete other side <laughs> of the table I was doing um you know poster work and promotion work and marketing schemes and budgets and all this kind of for, for the for the West End and then stage management happened completely accidentally as as i've actually found a lot of people say it's not been their plan but they've fallen into it accidentally and just carried on because they've loved it so i was asked by a friend um if i could just come and help out backstage on a show they were doing because they knew i was very organized and i said yes of course you know love to love to come and have a look and from that job um the md on that 
was going on to another musical and he said oh actually they're looking for an ASM um I'll just throw your name into the mix and see what happens and it turns out I got that one and it just snowballed completely naturally really really lovely process mm. and and how about for you Rachel because did, did you did you train in in stage management yeah I trained at Lambda um but I knew I was going to be a stage manager from the age of about eight Really? <laughs> I was lucky enough to have family in theatre and I knew I didn't want to do acting, but I wanted to enable it to happen. So I, I was pretty determined, yeah. That's great. I, I started off, well, I did, in those days you only did a year at drama school. So I did my year at Lambda and then I was lucky enough to get my equity card at Opera North. Mm. And from there moved on into reps and just kept going really. Mm. So your experience of theatre has changed a lot as well, because a while ago you took, you took a break from theatre, didn't you? I wanted towards stage management, you tend to get promoted out of what you do best. Um, I just kept getting promoted at the RST until I eventually ended up as the touring administrator mm -hmm. and realised that actually I was sitting in front of a computer doing budgets and contracts and things and hated it. Uh, so I took a break and, and started up a, a tea room. Another thing, which all stage management say they're going to do, they're going to run a tea room. Well, I did do that for eight years, which was great. I absolutely loved it, but it was time to stop. And uh, when I finished, I just went, I want to go back to my first love, which is stage management. Mm. And I was lucky enough to get a job at, at Birmingham for their Christmas show at the old rep. And then the job came up at German Street with Trevor. And I'd always said the person I wanted to work with most again was Trevor Nunn. And I was just really lucky that he did this show and mm. I was able to do it. And did you notice, had the theatre landscape changed in the time that you hadn't been there? Was it very different to how it was before? And how was that changed from going from stage manager, changing into that administrative role and then diving back into the stage management? Was it a joy? Was it... <laughs> it was great to be back in stage management. <laughs> I just love being in rehearsals. And actually, although technically a lot of things have obviously changed, um, when I worked with Trevor last, there weren't mobile phones. We didn't have computers. Everything was in a triplicate book. I mean, you can't believe it now, can you? And Crap's last tape is, is as you probably know, is all set up with um, a reel-to-reel -reel machine. Well, actually, when I last did a show with Trevor, which was Othello, I was doing all the sound on a reel-to-reel. -reel. That's how we did the sound. God. That's how long ago it is. I mean, but, Brilliant. But having said that, actually, when you're in a rehearsal room, it's exactly the same. The directors and the actors are no different to how they ever were because you're still doing the same thing. You're trying to, you know, pick apart a script and get a, a story out so that the audience understand it. Hmm. And that's really interesting you pick up on that human aspect to it. So it, is, is it a job that you think kind of relies a lot on relationships between like stage managers and directors and stage yeah, managers? Yeah, absolutely. You need to be really close with your director. They need to know they can trust you and you can trust them. And the actors need to feel safe with you. Mm. So you're there to back them up and, you know, they will know when they walk off stage, they're probably where they need it to be. So they're not worrying about that when they're on stage. They're just being in the moment of the acting. Mm. That's really important. Mm. And so, Emily, you were working on uh, The Tempest at German Street, weren't you, before yes. we unfortunately had to close down? Yes. Um, but I've, I've, I've noticed a, a propitious connection between the flood that happened at German Street very recently at our time of recording. And apparently you have some previous experience with, with water on stage, slash... I bet but, Tom has asked you to ask me about this. Yes, yes. Again, reeling back to Dorian, um, we had pro probably one of the most, if not the most difficult sets, especially to tour. 
we had a a for want of a better one word a pool a small pool pond on stage which um was big enough for an actor to lie in like a, a, a very shallow bath and um we accidentally sort of kind of flooded the Stephen Joseph Theatre in Scarborough twice. Uh, <laughs> you know, we were ironing out some kinks with the show. We hadn't toured, you know, it was uh, absolutely magnificent. The, the team there were amazing, actually, because we came to them and we said, hey, we've got a, we've got a pool on stage that um, actors get into and that needs to be emptied and refilled every night. And uh, yes, one show, I was actually in the gods the sh operating the show, so I couldn't see the stage very well at all. And I thought the show was going absolutely magnificently. I thought it was a really good show. And the actors all, we had no interval. And the actors all came to me at the end and they went, oh my God, oh my God, was it okay? Was it all right? And I was going, yes, it was great, really lovely. I don't know what you're talking about. And it transpired that throughout the entire show the pool had been leaking all over the stage yeah. <laughs> but because of the show and the lights i couldn't see it i couldn't tell and the actors they'd been moving a bit oddly but they had been dodging these various pools of water all over the space they not get wet i was absolutely oblivious and um speaking with someone in the audience afterwards they thought it was a um, artistic choice <laughs> we rolled with that for that performance to have the yeah, yeah. dramatically uh, emptying from the pool, you know, oh, very, very metaphorical, very artistic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. a, a pool sounds pretty, pretty, pretty high level. I mean, is there, has there ever been anything that you've, you've had to do as a stage manager that you sort of just felt as though you need to say no to? Is there, is, is there that sort of thing that you get to? Do you ever, do you ever feel as though, a director's asked you to do something and it's just been a tiny bit too professional and you've done that How long have you got? <laughs> All the time in the world. director's asked for something and you've gone, ah. You see actors on stage drinking a lot, alcohol, etc. Is that, is that actually alcohol? <laughs> no. 99% out of the time it's not alcohol. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't let them have alcohol on stage. You can do wonderful things with um, gravy darkener, is what I learned. Um, yeah. Makes a good yeah, sugar, sugar, makes a good whiskey. Doesn't it yeah. taste horrible? Yeah. Well, I, they have to drink it, so. I heard that the Abbey in Dublin, I was watching one of their videos years ago, and they import non-alcoholic Guinness that's made abroad somewhere else, so that they get the top, yeah. and I was like, that's so cool, and then they repaste the old labels on for like when they're doing a Sean O'Casey. That was really cool. That's really yeah. funny. And you can get champagne that pops, but it's actually got ginger beer in it. All those sort of things. Yeah, yeah. So is there like is there like an underground stage manager's sort of black market for all these strange things? <laughs> you do learn the tricks of the trade, going to different theatres and working with different stage managers, and mm. you know they've decided that they want, um, you know, white wine in the show, and you know you learn that actually diet coke and water makes a very very realistic looking white wine mm -hmm. and you know different food coloring stain costumes worse or better mm -hmm. um, you know this loses its fizz quicker that's not fizzy so don't use it for champagne or oh, no that brand of apple juice is really bad don't use that one 
<laughs> it's a very, a very, very select amount of knowledge, very specific knowledge. <laughs> so we're talking right now in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic, which is obviously a huge obstacle for all of our work, especially in theatre, uh, when we rely on audiences coming to see stuff. So how are you guys doing at the moment? What are you up to? It's quite bizarre um, going from, you know, especially the Tempest had only just opened. So we had gone from, you know, peak busy. We just had tech week. We'd had press night. You know, we're doing the 14 hour days. We'd gone from absolute headless chickens suddenly to nothing. It's a very big wrench. And you don't really realise until you've had the first week of, of, of lockdown, as it were, and it's all lovely. And, oh, look, I can lie in and I'm eating three meals a day. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, after that, you realise how... How, it, it is horrible but how empty how empty it is without it without mm. that theatre world even if you're not a stage manager just without that world of theatre mm. there's there's what do you do you know to try and stay creative at home you realize the importance of that using use you know reading's not enough i've got to use my hands i've got to make something i've got to do something i've got to run i've got to be creative so it has really highlighted the, to me, the importance of my my mental health actually as well. Not having that stimulus is 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 challenging. It's really challenging. Um, I I had a job which I was about to start today actually at Buxton Opera, which I was really looking forward to. But actually, what it has given me is an opportunity to get some scores out and do a bit more music reading to make sure that I'm up to speed for when I do back, go back to Buxton next year, hopefully. Um, but also I'm married to a television director. My son is a cameraman and my daughter also is a stage manager. And all four of us are sitting around here going, what's the landscape? Are we ever going to get back to work? Will theatres reopen? Will they want us? What's going to happen with the soap operas, which my husband works on? You know, mm. at what point are they going to start filming? And if they start filming, are they going to pretend this virus never happened? Mm. Or are we going, you know, going to go to Emmerdale and there's only one person in the wool pack at a time? It's really hard to know what's going to happen. It's a very, very odd landscape. And in all my years of theatre, I have never known anything like this. And I suppose it highlights the relationship that we all carry to like the space and to the physical thing that you're talking about, Emily, that idea of like being creative with your hands and something. And so are you... Yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm making masks and scrubs hats. That's what I'm doing. Oh, that's oh, amazing. amazing. <laughs> something to do that's brilliant are you sending them off then to yeah yeah there are very well lots of hospitals that want them um some of them will only take them in certain colors so i've only got pattern material at home so uh, some of them are going off hopefully tomorrow to southampton oh that's incredible wow. that's so good so so uh, yeah are, are you finding yourselves applying yourselves creatively in different ways or is it kind of like resting back on theater as something that you know kind of is what you do is your job is your life um and trying to do it in different ways at home um because i suppose there's so many negotiations to be made isn't there with all those different things how about for you Eva? well as an actor i've got loads of experience in not doing a lot of theater and what you do when you don't <laughs> um, um i've been preparing for this pandemic for a long time um <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I tutor, so actually that's keeping me pretty busy because um, you can inspire young minds online. Um, so I've been doing that. But yeah, definitely um, 
in a way I, I, it's quite nice to have the time to do all the creative things that I tell myself I'm going to do and I inevitably don't um so like trying to practice playing guitar trying to do some more writing um taking the time to actually read rather than just on the tube to like probably sit down and do that um mm. but yeah I, I think in a way I'm just trying not to possibilitate what what my industry or the prospects for me are going to look like when I come out of this um yeah so weirdly as an actor you've got no FOMO now because no one can act so yeah I, I don't I don't know um but I think I just I just feel that like when eventually this is all over the the urge to make theatre doesn't go away and the urge to see theatre doesn't go away however it happens I don't know but I feel like it's got to resurrect itself and rebuild itself in some way. Um, mm. And I just really hope to be a part of that, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And mm. it's funny, you should, in one of your, um, when you were talking about the flood earlier, um, you mentioned that you were up in up in the gods. And that's an interesting other little kind of phrase. Do you want to explain that? To yes, the gods. Um, up in the top, 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 tippity topmost row of seats. If you've got balconies, if you've got dress circles, the gods is the highest, highest level that you could possibly be in. And it just happened for that production. I was at the furthest away point from the stage. <laughs> so the production with the most water, the most risk, <laughs> everything you could possibly have. Actors in barefoot, light bulbs hanging from the ceiling. It was, you know, that, that the one show, they uh, popped me. A good, a good two minute sprint away from the stage, <laughs> with no, with no one backstage either. Nice. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> that was wonderful. Mm -hmm. And it's a funny colloquialism, but I suppose it bears somewhat on, on as you say, the importance of stage management within, within theatre in having that, that role that's ensuring that everything runs smoothly. And 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 whilst it may appear that you know, it's it's a select group of people performing and doing that job that it's actually there's so much more that goes on behind the scenes in really important ways that that influences an audience's kind of understanding of the show completely. I had yeah. a lovely experience with um, a musical I was doing a couple of years ago and it was a children's musical and at the end of it you would ex you know all the kids you would expect wanted to go and meet the actors and you know you have the funny characters and put on the funny costumes of course they did but there was one one little girl and I, I will never forget it she hung back because I was operating from in the auditorium so I was in the middle of a row of seats and she can't have been more than six and she wanted to come back and have a look at all the buttons and all of the screens and all of that because that was absolute oh she couldn't get enough of it and that's, you know, not why we do it, but it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling just to have one person come up to you at the end, in the child especially, and, you know, want to come in. And the par parents saying, oh, my gosh, is it OK? I'm so sorry. I don't want them to come and, <laughs> come and touch anything. You're going, she can press all the buttons she likes. She's interested. Let, you know, absolutely do what you like. It's, it's wonderful. I used to go do talks for... Um, the RSC, when we were, when I was the touring administrator, we were taking shows out. I helped initiate a thing that all the backstage staff once a week would talk to various schools. They could come and have a chat with us in the afternoon and we'd show them all the different things that we did and we'd talk through 
props and props tables and the wig department would talk to them about wig making and all lighting and sound and all those sort of things. And it was always really good because you realise that there were a lot of kids who liked the idea of theatre, but were not the right temperament to be on stage, either because they were shy or because actually they just weren't interested in acting. But you'd suddenly show them that, you know, somebody had made the sword that they saw in the show and they're going, I didn't know somebody made swords. I didn't know that people sewed costumes or made wigs or did makeup or any of those things. And you're just inspiring a next generation. I think that's brilliant. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Prompt Corner. Don't forget to tune in next week when we'll be talking to our guests about developing plays. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to keep up with all of our other JST Brave New World updates. See you soon.